Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Sapphic Survival Guide. We are queer to answer your questions. I'm Sev. I'm Gina. And I'm Cheyenne. Class is now in session. And today we are talking about queer spaces. I'm so excited about this one. First, we want to get into what are queer spaces and all that jazz. Yeah, I think that this is really fitting for this week because we're going to be you know, across the country celebrating the anniversary of the Stonewall uprisings, which that all happened in a queer space. And so this is super, super fitting and right on the money. And queer spaces, I think there's a lot of different ways to define it, especially because they could be physical, like a bar. It could be online, like a queer TikTok um, or Hot Respians, you know, Instagram account. I think though, at the end of the day, queer spaces are somewhere where the queer community feels like they can go to be themselves, be safe, and have a good time. I agree. I feel like for the longest time, and still kind of now, for me, queer spaces were mostly online. I live in a city with like a tiny gay bar, and I'm like two hours from any bigger cities. So, um, you know, I didn't really have many options. I actually started a Facebook group for my city and invited all of the queer non-men I knew. And I was going to like start having queer events for us because I just felt like, you know, when you go to like a gay bar, it's mostly like old men. And I like wasn't really like connecting with the community that much. So I, you know, started this and then the world shut down. It was in 2020. So nothing ever happened. And then I ended up adding men to the group. And now it's just like a big like Facebook group for all the queer people in the city. Uh, but it's nice because like I've seen, you know, I've seen people in there like trying to make friends, trying to find yeah. people to do things with. And I would eventually like to start hosting like queer events because, you know, I see all those queer events on TikTok where they like go around and interview people with the microphone. And I'm like, oh, I want that. But that's like in like LA and New York and Toronto, like nowhere near where I am. Like there's nothing like that around here. And even I feel like in like the bigger cities that I'm near, there's not really anything like that. And I'm like a really big like proponent of do it yourself. Like we got a few questions that were like, how do I find quieter queer spaces? Because a lot of them seem to be at like bars and stuff. And it's like, if you want that, you have to like make it. Like, totally. It happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that there are a lot of queer spaces that are centered around bars. So one of the questions is why are queer spaces and events so alcohol based, which the only thing I can think of is that a lot of society entertainment spaces are alcohol based. But why do you think that is? Well, I think it's partially because, you know, that's how society is like, that's Mm -hmm. what people do. But I actually just read a Twitter thread and it was talking about how like the mass binge drinking culture that we have is because of slavery, which is crazy. But I guess like they, the slave owners would have the enslaved people like drink a lot. So they didn't have time to like plan like uprisings and stuff like that. And then it was also implying like the poor people now, like our culture revolves around drinking. So we can't revolt against the upper class. So I feel like it kind of has to do with that being ingrained in our culture, but also so many queer people turn towards substances to deal with being queer because straight people don't make it easy for us. Um, I have a few different exes who were addicts and yeah, I feel like 
you know, it's a coping mechanism and I don't think they should be vilified for that. But I feel like that also comes into play with, you know, yeah. why you go into those spaces instead of like a coffee shop. Like, of, of course those exist, but like, um, yeah, there's like no, not very many spaces yeah, not a lot. that are not alcohol-based or events that are not alcohol-based. Mm-hmm. There is, I will say, there's a bookstore. Now I live in a pretty queer city, especially mm-hmm. a sapphic city. And there's a bookstore that, if you're a lesbian or lesbian aligned in this city, you've gone on a date to Bookman's. <laughs> and so there are, they're just not as obvious. I feel like as a gay bar, they're not as searchable. And so they're a little more niche. And so maybe it is a matter of like, check the discussion boards. I know I'm in local LGBT, like Facebook groups and the neighborhood apps and whatever else. And I found like little things, even a local drag brunch that was posted in one of those things that I don't know. I didn't, I didn't know how to search for them, but people, you know, like to advertise in those groups and every once in a while you'll get something that hopefully is an alcohol based like bookstore. Yeah. I feel like a big reason that bookstores and other places like that aren't main spaces for us, I guess, is because like alcohol gives you like liquid courage and it's not as scary to go out to someone whereas if I saw someone like browsing in a bookstore I would probably assume that they don't want me to interact with them and that they are you know busy like I'm not gonna just like obviously that's like a meet cute or whatever but like I personally would I mean I don't approach people in bars anyways but like I wouldn't definitely wouldn't approach someone in a bookstore yeah I think that transitions well into the question of how do I start going to queer spaces? I'm scared to go alone. Is it weird to go alone? Is it creepy? Is it safe? Yeah. Yeah. I don't mind actually going to a a gay bar alone because I know, I guess because it it is a safer space. Like, I don't know that I would have as much fun just going to a regular bar alone because I don't want some man to come up and talk to me unless Mm -hmm. he has glitter on his face and eyeliner (laughs) on. You know what I'm saying? So (laughs) Yeah. I get hit by a lot of men at gay bars. Like, not a lot. Really? That's what I was going to say. So, at maybe it's just the local local gay bar where Cheyenne and I are, but it's definitely like, I feel like our gay bar in our city sometimes is used as like entertainment. Mm-hmm. for straight people like we yeah. have drag nights and it turns into that but then also oh. on non-drag nights like Cheyenne one day had to like bark at this man that wouldn't leave us alone. literally I barked like a dog at him because he she wouldn't leave my friend alone and, and she was like I have a boyfriend and he like thought that was a good idea to come over and talk to us so he's like in my face like talking over her like over my shoulder and I just start going and he was like bitch work laughing and he's like what is she doing like what's wrong with her and they were all just laughing and I kept working at him um yeah that's amazing yeah and it was this just like group of random straight men and it was like a random night like a random Friday I guess we can't say for sure that they're not bi like they could be bi yeah they were giving straight man energy we'll put it that way because of the way that they would not leave us alone (laughs) one time I was in line getting a drink at that bar and someone grabbed my butt and I turned around and it's like these two guys that are like a couple like they're holding hands and he thought it was appropriate to just grab Uh, my yeah yeah so it's like I feel like a lot of straight women or maybe like bisexual women who quote unquote look straight or whatever with their straight friends, they go and they're like, oh, it's a less predatory space. There's like all the guys here are gay, but they're not all gay. They could be straight. They could be bi. 
even if they are gay, they can still grab your, grope you and, you know, like. Yeah. <laughs> well, even how you said it, it almost seems like it's there for their entertainment. One of the questions we got is like, who should be allowed in these spaces? And let's just take gay bars as the first example. And one thing I really don't like as a gay person is bachelor, bachelorette parties going mm-hmm. to queer spaces. Yeah. This is, we are not some like crazy thing for you to do on your like crazy bachelorette trip. Like it's not just like so wild for you to go see whatever. (laughs) Now maybe a drag brunch. Okay. And it, it, you know, at a restaurant that you probably would have gone to anyway, but sometimes like I'll see straight girls at like a gay bar as they're like wild bachelorette. And I'm like, no, this is like our life and this is our space. Get out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it's hard though, because like, you don't know if that person's bi and that, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like we assume that they're straight and there are a lot of straight people that do use it as like a fucking petting zoo. But yeah. So like the lines get blurred is it's like is it okay for this person to be in this space? Is it okay for me to bring my, that was actually a question we got too, is, is it okay for me to bring a straight girlfriend to a queer bar or event? I don't have many queer friends. Like, is that okay? And I think it has to do, like, as long as there's like respect, I guess. Yeah, is that person an ally? Right. Like, am I, if I, if I flirt with her, is she going to be like, ew, I'm not gay. Like, or is she going to be like, oh, I'm straight, but like, thank you. Like, I feel like that's where the line gets blurred because obviously if they're going to be, you know, shitty in that space or I don't know, just rude, then it's Mm -hmm. like, yeah, probably don't bring them. But also I didn't have any queer friends really when I first came out and I went with my straight friends and a few of them ended up coming out like like, uh, down the line. But yeah, I feel like it's like a very hard discussion because like you don't know who's questioning, who's straight, who- Well, I guess if you are questioning or if you're gay and you go to the gay bar, obviously it's fine. And if you're gay and you bring a straight friend who's an ally, I also think that's fine. I just don't think that our space is like something that like they only do when it's crazy. And I just, that's what I don't like. Mm-hmm. It's not that if you're not gay, you can't go into these spaces, but I think you should be accompanied by a queer. Like, <laughs> you know how you can order off the child menu unless you have a child with yeah, you? Yeah, you, like, you have like to have that. Yeah, I think that comes back to also just like, I'm scared to go alone. Is it weird to go alone? No, it's not weird to go alone. But if you do feel more comfortable bringing someone, that's okay. Mm-hmm. But like, if you go to a gay bar alone, mm-hmm. I think you're more likely to like meet someone in a romantic way. Because mm-hmm. I think I think people are a little bit more approachable alone or like oh, for sure if you are with a group of friends and you want to be like if you want someone to talk to you when you go get the next round of drinks go by yourself go by yourself yeah mm-hmm. keep your friends in your eye you know i'm not trying to tell you yeah. like ditch your friends and lose them but i'm somebody who i will approach people i will hit on people i am aggressive yeah. quote, quote. <laughs> and i wouldn't if a girl's like talking to her friends especially one-on-one i'm not gonna go up and be like hey not to interrupt but you're really cute no, I'm going to wait till she's alone. I'm going to go up and be like, you're really cute. What are you drinking? Yeah. And if like, you don't know if that's their partner. Yeah, exactly. It complicates things. One time I was at the local gay bar with Sev and a few other friends. And I saw this girl like staring at me. And then like maybe a week or so later, a few days later, we matched on Tinder. Mm -hmm. And she was like, yeah, I saw you at 
Don't don't put that. Yeah. I saw you at the gay bar the other night, but you were with your friends. So I didn't want to like approach you. Like I didn't want to come up to you. Exactly. And so it was literally that situation. And I like did go by myself for the first time, and that was the one and only time that anyone any woman has ever approached me at the gay bar or at, well any bar. So I'm a big like I'll go by myself once in a while, and it's awkward, and no one comes up to me, and I don't talk to anyone, and I'm like okay bye. But that time like. This guy took me under his wing and made me his friend and like made me come sit with him. And then someone got my number. It was like, wow, I need to like come here by myself more often. My friends yeah. are twat blocking me a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe we were. Yeah, it's, a good it's, it's more fun with friends, but it's definitely scary to like approach people. I like your, what are you drinking? Can I get you a drink? Yeah, but, it's, yeah. it's that simple. Mm-hmm. It's pretty, yeah. yeah, pretty nice and easy. Yeah. Do you... Both, I know that you have, you know, the kind of local bar, it sounds like that y'all grew up with, but even in other places, maybe even bigger cities that you've been to, do you feel like there is a space for lesbians specifically, or, you know, those who are lesbian aligned in these spaces? Or do you think that it's mostly for men? A lot of the people I see at queer bars are cis gay men. And I think yeah. a lot of that has to do with like the fact that when not like queer non-men get together, we're just like, we want to sit in the house in our pajamas, watch TV and cut. Yeah. Like, we're not like trying to go party that much. Like maybe once in a while, mm-hmm. like obviously some people do, like it's all across the board, but I feel like a majority of people are like, no, I'm happy to like sit at home or like go do something else. I kind of feel yeah. like when I'm single, I go out more because it's like, what else am I going to do? But when I'm in a relationship, I hibernate. So I've yeah. been hibernating. <laughs> recently my single roommate drags us out which just turns into (laughs) me and my girlfriend making out all over the city we just turn anywhere into a lesbian space I guess yeah I love that yeah I wanted to do that with that Facebook group I started just like do like bar takeovers and stuff I think yeah that would be so fun I think so to your question about like bigger cities Cheyenne and I literally drove what was it three and a half hours four hours to go to a lesbian bar yeah, we went to Slammers in Columbus and that was super fun. But we, I mean, we had to drive so far <laughs> to get there and we went just for a night and it was cool. It was a cute little like, it, what is their big thing? It's like, don't they have a little pizza or something? Yeah, it was like, it was like a restaurant with like outdoor seating and they had like cornhole and stuff. Like it wasn't like a club. Like it was like a little, mm. like- it was like a little dive bar, but it was so cute and fun. And mm-hmm. I remember I kept walking around with Cheyenne and I kept going, do they know lesbian royalties here because <laughs> I just kept going I just kept going hot lesbian hot lesbian I, I do lesbian. feel like I I have some like secret like with my friendship with Cheyenne because sometimes I'll like when I go look at like memes and I see how many random people I know that follow her that I'm like I can't wait till they see about a oh my gosh her. they're I... gonna the fuck out <laughs> Yeah, I like will go onto Cheyenne's hot mess and sometimes and like go into the comments and people that are being mean. I'm like, what did you just say? <laughs> like, yeah, I would, I would that's about to be my new hobby. Oh my it's, god! Yeah, because people will get. I remember on the Slammers topic, we were talking about going, and someone was like, "There are more than 15 lesbian boys in America," and we were like, "Well, this is just like the statistic that we heard," and they were like, "Well, that's statistic light," and they were like fighting back, and I was like quoting the article Mm -hmm. that we were reading and they just kept fighting back and I was like why are you on here doing this 
So how many you said was one of the questions we got is, are there still lesbian bars? Why are there so few left? How many did you say? I think, you know, we're not fact checking ourselves She said 15, but I'm pretty sure there's 12. But actually, I was going to say this when we were talking about, you know, the lesbian spaces. I went to a lesbian bar by myself in Philly, um, the Toasted Walnut. Have you ever been there, Gina? I have. Yeah. Now they closed down, which is really sad. Mm -hmm. But um, I like literally just sat at the bar by myself and no one talked to me except like two people who wanted me to save their spot. But I mean, to be fair, I like was scared to talk to anyone and probably didn't look very approachable. But it like, I don't know, it's like sucks that even though I didn't have like an amazing time that we still don't have that space. And like I said, I think a lot of it is because, you know, we tend to like U-Haul and hide away and and also be- I think also because it is so many like men and it, it uh, don't really want to go be around mm-hmm. all these old men like you know what do I mean? Do you think it kind of also could have something to do with the fact that we are women? Hmm. Like how scary a bar of women and women presenting people who <laughs> are very obviously there because they like women could be? That sounds like heaven what do you mean? Yeah no. I, I mean scary to people who do not agree. Maybe, you know, but like to me, to it sounds who, so much safer because it sounds very safe. <laughs> but also, to me, the thought when I think of like a full sapphic space is just like, what if someone comes in there looking for a fight or like? I thought it's just what if I feed my all of my exes. That's like my. <laughs> I just like that's a real that. risk. Honestly, yo. I'm just always scared of like everything. But it's like mm-hmm. a thing that. I mean, at mine in Cheyenne's local gay bar, they have all the windows blacked out and they've had them like that for like, since well, they were that, open. It's well, that's kind because of- because in the past, they used to like send cops into gay bars and yeah. uh, if people were wearing the quote unquote opposite sex's clothing or oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Other people dancing, it had to be like, like they had to have it like covered because they would go in and just throw people in jail for not wearing the correct clothing. Yeah, I do remember that. that. It just, yeah, maybe it's just making me think like, I guess there is also just a risk with queer spaces in general because there's a risk with any people. space, honestly. Like, exactly. fucking assholes. Yeah, true. Yeah, so that, that like, I, I don't know why are there so few left? I don't know. Let's open some freaking lesbian bars, guys. Well, I also think, <laughs> you know, it has to do with like the wage gap and like queer women mm-hmm obviously don't have the access to the money that men get to make. So then queer women typically have like lower income, even like as couples. And so like, even if we wanted to open a lesbian bar or a gay bar, we don't really have as much access to money as like a gay male couple or like a, or straight people. And that was actually another one of the questions we got why our majority of gay bars owned by straight people profiting off of us. And it's like, we don't have the capital. A lot of people get disowned from their families or, you know, have to leave for their safety and like set boundaries and and I feel like we just like don't have access to the same resources that straight people do a lot of the time obviously not all the time yeah yeah that makes sense yeah I feel like we're kind of at a good stopping point if we want to maybe take a little break before we get into the rest of our questions yeah all right cool And we're back. And the next question we have is, are gay bars accessible for people with disabilities in your experience? In my experience, most places aren't totally accessible for people with disabilities. But I actually, there's a girl that um, is kind of like a regular at one of the bars I go to in town. And one of the reasons she goes to this particular bar is because it is accessible 
for her. And I've learned from like talking to her that uh, there's so many places that she just literally can't go to because she's mm-hmm. in a wheelchair. And yeah. so like, I don't think it's just queer spaces. I don't think spaces yeah. period are in inclusive for people. With oh, disabilities. for sure. Yeah. I had a friend, I have a friend, but in college we spent a lot more time together um, and she's in a wheelchair as well. And I remember, especially when we were hanging out a lot, I was very aware of it. The places I were at were accessible. Thinking about mine and Cheyenne's local bar. I mean, it technically it is, but how actually accessible mm-hmm. is it like? I feel like for people with like mobility aids, like a cane or, you know, a walker or crutches or a wheelchair, it would be pretty safe. If the whole place was empty, it'd be super easy. Right. But with the crowds, yeah. it's well, like mm-hmm. they'd have to go across the dance floor to get to a seat sometimes. Like mm-hmm. that kind of thing plays into it too, not just like the actual layout, but like yeah, and yes. like bathrooms and yeah, all of it is not very accessible. And like I've been to other gay bars in other cities and I feel the same way. Like obviously there are other like disabilities that would be affected by these spaces. Like a lot have like flashing bright lights where if you have mm-hmm. seizures, like that would be very like harmful. Very not though. good. Yeah. Yeah. Um even just having social anxiety and wanting to go to a queer space. So I think it's hard because we've already, we've talked, you know, in so many previous episodes about all these defaults and as much as, you know, heterosexuality is a default, ableism exists as well. Unfortunately, it's just like another, Mm -hmm. another thing that, you know, you have to be mindful to be inclusive about. Yeah. So my legs stopped working a few months ago. turns out I have like a nerve disorder where basically my immune system was like attacking all the nerves in my body. And I was like losing my ability to walk. And if it like, it like usually starts in your feet and goes up. So if it had gone up further, I could have been fully paralyzed wow. or like, like stopped my heart, like kind of thing. I was in the hospital for a few weeks, but after I got out of the hospital, I wanted to go, you know, do stuff with my friends. Like I miss my friends. It's lonely. I want to go have fun. But like, yeah, bars are really hard because I can't stand for very long periods of time. I can't walk for very long periods of time. So there's like no seating available. I was kind of screwed. Or if it was a place with like stairs, I couldn't go up or down stairs really by myself for a while. Mm. So like, yeah, a lot of things were not accessible for me at that time. And it's better for me now, but like there are some people who deal with that their entire lives and they just, Mm -hmm. you know, get left out of a lot of things because they, you know, aren't thought about. Yeah, exactly. It's not something that people think about, but it's something that's kind of necessary, especially to be truly all inclusive. Yeah. And the way that we expect straight people to be our allies there's so many different ways you like need to be an ally if you're able-bodied you need to be an ally to those who are disabled you're white you need to be an ally to people of color if you're a citizen you need to be an ally to immigrants like it's human fucking rights people Mm -hmm. yeah yeah not to get on my soapbox but yeah no i fully no i agree 100 well what other questions we got guys i was gonna say outside of that topic we can i think we've talked a lot about queer bars like Mm -hmm. there's a lot of other queer spaces i mean there are a lot of online queer spaces yeah hot mess being for those who don't Mm -hmm. already know Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah one of the questions i actually like this where do late in life queers quote unquote flash people over the age of 25 where do they go online and this person said at 29 i feel too old for some social media spaces and i'm here to tell you bitch i'm 29 and you cannot keep me away from anywhere 29 is not yeah. old what are you saying yeah 
I mean, I'm only 26, I'll be 27 in a few months, but like you can make anywhere your own, like maybe you're on TikTok and seeing a bunch of like young queer people, but if you find the right like hashtags and follow the right accounts, your for you page will start showing you older queer people. Like there are like hashtags, like you can find people and there's no reason that, you know, older, older, and they're not even 30, um, but quote unquote older people can't like also be in these spaces and like Twitter is a big one, Facebook groups. Instagram accounts like anywhere you can like I have people who are in their 50s and 60s following my Instagram like and then I have people who are like 17 like it's just you know wherever you feel most seen I guess or like feel most comfortable yeah I actually think TikTok is a great place for anybody who's queer especially because like the algorithm baby like it'll work out for you and Mm -hmm. so like yeah find somebody who's hashtagging millennial lesbian gen x lesbian boomer lesbian whatever (laughs) you know they're out there i follow a lot of queer individuals on tiktok who are of all ages from 20 to 58 and they're they're all insightful in their own way because everybody has their own experience no matter where they're at in life and i don't think that age plays a part in online content outside of like being appropriate like the basics you know yeah another question we got was how can you spot bad queer content especially on tiktok and i feel like that goes well with what you were just talking about that is a hard question to answer because it's like, what is bad queer content? Yeah, it depends on how you define it, kind of. I, I think mean, a lot of TikTok is just going to be cringy. So like, there's definitely just <laughs> yeah. That. Are we talking like generally cringy or are we talking like harmful? Offensive, yeah. Yeah, if we're talking harmful and offensive, I would say like, obviously there are stereotypes and they exist for a reason. But if somebody's like making fun in a way that's not like we're in on the joke like trust me I got all kinds of TikToks about how I've been such a U-Haul lesbian and I understand that's a stereotype and I lean into it whatever but by me saying I'm a U-Haul lesbian I'm not hurting anybody but Mm -hmm. there are stereotypes you know that are harmful a lot of people will tell me that I am or am not bisexual or try and like label and you know just like let people live don't push negative stereotypes Mm -hmm. I guess negative is the the operative word there Yeah. yeah I feel like bad is just it is so relative like my the memes that I post like I'll be like oh there's no way this can offend someone and then I have like two or three comments where people are like this ruined my life like I'm getting you canceled and it'll be like me like I don't know hanging out with my girlfriend's cats more than I hang out with her so, you know like things that like are relevant, but maybe that was like a very big trigger for them or something and I feel like that comes into play I feel like when I think of bad content though I think of like genuinely offensive things and for those I try to stay away from people who are punching down rather than up so if you don't know what that means it's like making fun of someone more marginalized than you rather than you know making jokes about more privileged people but I feel like that's kind of where we get mixed up in the queer community is that some people are like, oh, bisexuals are more privileged than lesbians or lesbians have more power in the community over bisexuals. And it's just like, no, we're like, we're all on the same team fighting the straight oppressor. Like mm-hmm. we're not like oppressing each other. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I love that um, you are such an ally as a lesbian to us two <laughs> bisexuals. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Those kind of stereotypes, they are really harmful, whether it's in your real life or online and so if you're making queer content or watching queer content don't perpetuate something that's gonna be like harmful harmful. in real life 
I do want to end on sort of a positive note. And so I feel like as much as we've, I think it's good to talk about what kind of bad content can be out there. Um, I just think there's so much good. And so, I mean, Cheyenne, I feel like you connect with so many people and like, I don't know, I know some of you love Insta and TikTok. Like, do you, do you feel like there's a lot of good that can come out of connecting with other queers online? I, yeah, I mean, yeah, there's a ton of good. I remember just when I was like questioning coming out and stuff, like, is this me? Is this real? Am I just making it up in my head kind of things? Um, a big thing that helped me as dorky as it sounds was TikTok. Because mm-hmm. my, my For You page knew before it I knew did. before like, you. The algorithm my, knows. The algorithm and that's funny because me. my mom gets lesbian uh, TikToks on her yeah. page. And I'm like, oh. mom. <laughs> yeah, but like it was something I was seeing more and more. And I was like, wait a minute. It like helped me connect the dots a little bit. Especially being in like such a small town where there aren't a lot of queer people around it's like yeah, and then all of a sudden there's all these hot lesbians on your for you page yeah and, like, and then i'm like happening oh, there yeah. we go <laughs> but speaking of my for like for you pages in general mine thinks i'm bisexual because i've like <laughs> like thirsted after so many hot bisexuals on tiktok so now it thinks i'm bisexual and i also think i think you sending me all yeah. the videos. I said <laughs> I can them and then they're like, oh, she yeah. wants to that. <laughs> yeah, I feel like honestly, overall, like connecting with queer people online literally changed my life. Like I was such a different person in 2018 and like my just like connections, my worldview, like everything, like where I'm at now, I never like would have guessed from this like little meme page I started. Is 2018 um, when Hot Mess Band was born? I started in December of 2018, yes. Look at um, you now. I know. Yeah, but like I like did not expect any of this and I feel like it's been mostly good. Um, even with like the fact that I can't even read comments anymore because I'm just like, this stressed me out and I don't really post as much anymore because now everyone knows that it's me and I feel like I can't like be as messy as I used to be um, without like exposing myself and the people I know who all be messy yeah be messy bitch go for it that's why we all followed you I know but like it's not as fun now because now people know okay so basically more of the story is when we get messy we have to give Cheyenne experiences that's true I mean like some of the memes I make are not based in my life like there are ideas other people send me or things exactly but it still like has changed my life and is like amazing even though I feel more limited on it now yeah I say yeah I say say fuck it coming from a Capricorn um the best thing to do is just deflect maybe gaslight a little bit wasn't me (laughs) I I just made a TikTok about this where I was like I will post things about like men specifically that I've like (laughs) dated and they'll be like was that about me or their friends would be like that was about him and I'm like no no but definitely was but, uh, I think online but going back to the like whole online queer spaces the question you asked Gina mm-hmm. I like even even that page Cheyenne that you made for like local people local queer mm-hmm. people I feel like that's changed a ton of people's lives because mm-hmm. they're connecting with people that they didn't even know in the mm-hmm. area like even when when you had first made it you invited me and I just kept seeing people joining I was like this thing like blew up and there are so many people and I had no idea. Like I never even thought all yeah, these like people. 600 members. Yeah. Of, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Actually, that kind of reminds me um, just, I didn't even think to include this, but now I'm like, how did I not think about this? Um, because I, uh, I'm like a reoccurring personality on Ross's podcast, Straight Talk with Ross. And I've connected with so many people all over 
the country really. And there's actually somebody that I'm friends with who was it, who was born in Ghana of all places. So this is, we're talking worldwide now. And we were friends with him for so long and Ghana was not safe for queer people. And we kind of rallied everybody and raised enough money to get him out. And he's now living in a different, I don't want to like expose him, but he's now not living in Ghana. He's living somewhere that's way more queer friendly. He just went to, started going to gay bars and hang out with gay people. And I think like not to get like emotional, but I think like when I die and I look back, that's going to date like ever, forever be one of the best things I think I ever did was like Mm -hmm. help someone else who's queer live as fucking queer as they want. I am going to get emotional because like Eugene, if you're listening, I love you so much, but I just like, yeah, looking back, I wouldn't even know him. He was on the other side of the fucking world from me. Mm -hmm. If it weren't for queer spaces and, and these queer virtual ways to connect and you know, the fact that I could help somebody on the other side of the world, that's, that's a gift yeah. that, you know, I'm going to remember forever. Yeah. Yeah. It obviously changed his life a lot. Mm-hmm. One social media in general is just life-changing in that the world is constantly literally at our fingertips. Mm-hmm. But then adding on top of that, the idea of queer spaces online, it opens up a whole world for people who are in situations like that and people even in like small conservative towns in America who just like grew up with their family and their family friends and don't know people outside of it and are like I think I'm something's different but I don't know what it is they go online boom there it is Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I feel like I feel bad leaving out the OG queer space Tumblr. Um, <laughs> oh my god, like we can't end without mentioning Tumblr. Oh my god, Tumblr.com, yeah, not to change things from like being sappy, but like honestly, that was like a big part of my like gay awakening too because I was like reblogging pictures of pretty girls and never like hot guys like it was always pretty girls and I was like oh it just fits my aesthetic better but it's like not that you're gay and then I like would follow queer accounts and that's how I like learned everything and kind of figured things out and found the lesbian master doc which helped me and I know it doesn't help everyone but it helped me um so I feel like you know without these resources we don't have the ability to like really get to know ourselves on a deeper level and then you know find Mm -hmm. other similar people and I feel like a lot of people make social media out to be like this monster like this horrible thing but it really is like what you choose to follow what you choose to look at yeah you choose to ignore like it's what you make of it like that's and you know I'm super gay so I'm very happy with it (laughs) yeah and I know like hashtags nowadays are seen as like lame like oh my god putting mm-hmm. hashtags on their posts who do they think they are like trying to get no yeah. you know like there's like a weird negative thing with it now but use hashtags find people mm-hmm. and let people find you even mm-hmm. if it's like a picture of yourself like just yeah. let people know you're out there and who you are and how you identify and stuff and they'll find you and you'll find them and that'll be beautiful and magical <laughs> yep couldn't agree more all right y'all we did it again <laughs> did it, we did it <laughs> All right. Well, if you are still listening and not watching us, then you should know that there is an option to see our beautiful faces on Patreon. So you can go to patreon.com slash sapphic survival guide. And you should also like us and follow us and review the podcast. You can find us on any social media at sapphic survival guide, except for Twitter, which is at sapphic survival. Yeah, I'm Sev. You can find me on 
Twitter at seven months, Instagram at seven dot months. Those are all spelled out, no numbers in there. And TikTok at lucky.sev. You can find me, Gina, at Gina Finio on Instagram, at bisexualgina on TikTok, or you can go to my website, ginafinio.com. And you can find me, Cheyenne, at Hot Mespian on pretty much any social media platform. And class is now dismissed. Ring, 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 ring.